What's going on, everyone? Welcome to Season 1, Episode 4 of the Myers and Stroop Podcast. Uh, this episode, we had the great pleasure of having Mr. Tony Stroop back on the podcast. Uh, unfortunately, he was off the podcast, and then on the podcast, and off the podcast, and on again. Um, in between his chaos, we had the great pleasure of having Jared join us as our guest. Uh, Jared is a co-owner uh, in one of our fantasy leagues, or a few of our fantasy leagues. Um, he brought to the table a wealth of Kansas City Chiefs knowledge, uh, probably more than anybody cares to know. Um, so you're welcome for some of the one-dimensional uh, and biased opinion that he was able to bring. So enjoy the podcast, uh, enjoy our, our banter back and forth, and by the way, for the record, the Kansas City Chiefs have not won a Super Bowl since 1970. Enjoy. Go Broncos. You're listening to the Myers and Stroop Podcast. Your source for poor advice. Yeah, duh. Let's go with me. Useless information. Works for me. And oh, uh, did we mention fantasy football? With your hosts, Nate Myers and Tony Stroot. Nathan, how the hell are you, man? I am living the dream. Welcome to episode four. <laughs> part, part two, part three. Mm-hmm. Part, part, part deuce, definitely. <laughs> How's uh, the adult world treating you on your side? It's It's been a hell of a day, man. Uh, between bike riding with mm-hmm. the kid and going to Costco and the, the nine to five job, it's been a, a world of excitement here. I can relate between the routine of work, getting home, feeding the kids, getting the kids to sleep, and then finally having time to uh, partake in episode uh, number four. It's a, <laughs> it's a handful. I, I do kind of like how half the the fantasy league that expressed interest on would be like, yeah, I'd, I'd like to chip in on here. Uh, they don't have kids and they didn't show up. So I think the people that, are probably have the most commitments outside of everything still found the time to, to make this happen. So Jared said he wanted to come on tonight. I don't know if he's going to make it or not, but he's online right now. We'll see if he can, he can swing by here in a little bit. Yeah, we'll see. Well, I guess to enlighten everyone on the, listen to the podcast, we have a Slack channel that we use uh, just to at least send notifications to uh, different leagues we have and NFL news and updates. We have a, a one channel is dedicated to the podcast so we specifically were asking for people who would be interested in being guests on our podcasts. And like Tony said, the ones that did not have children um, or were single and still out living crazy lives were all about joining the podcast. But when it came time to actually uh, coming in, it was crickets and they completely disappeared. In fairness, it was on Saturday night at like nine o'clock at night, and uh, I, I got a feeling most of them actually had social lives. Meanwhile, the the parents were at home watching Disney Channel with our kids, or at least I was. I don't know about you, but uh, we we had a lot more flexibility for that particular time slot. You're telling me on a Saturday at nine thirty when you're younger and single without kids, and just married without kids, you weren't at home ready to do a podcast at nine thirty. You know, I've got some memory loss due to some questionable choices in my lifetime, but I'm pretty sure that was never really something I heavily considered on a Saturday evening, though. 
<laughs> well, I know Saturday night we we made a noble attempt to try to go through the podcast um, and just due to some technical difficulties and just kind of running out of time, to be honest, uh, we were had to stop short. And I think it's probably a, a good thing that everyone probably won't have to listen to that. I may take some some snippets of that first uh, run through. But we had literally 10 minutes talking about Antonio Brown, which is 10 minutes of life. People never get back. Um so I think we did them a favor to get it kind of out of our system. I, I'm on board with that. We, we kind of went off base a little bit too long there. And <laughs> I really don't think anybody gives two shits about cryogenically frozen feet or whatever the hell is going on with his helmet at this point, especially after today. It sounds like uh, the NFL kind of shot down his request to wear a modified helmet or whatever he wanted to do. And he sounds like he's still going to play this year. So I think he's going to suck it up and realize that, he had $30 million in guaranteed money that he's not going to give away by, uh, by just sitting on the sidelines. I agree. I mean, it, to me, it was, uh, I mean, we'll kind of power through these injuries uh, and, and news and notes from the preseason. But, you know, I think for him, that was, it was interesting to see how everybody quickly panicked, you know, how he's threatening not playing again. And then here you come Monday, he, he loses over the helmet and now he's, basically ready to show up and he's excited to play. So, I mean, you had fantasy owners ready to really cut him from their team or just trying to, to get all the value they could out of a potential trade. Um, and then Monday, you know, it's business as usual. So it's, uh, it's just how things can change in 24 hours drastically, I think, for owners uh, significantly. Yeah, I'm completely on board. I know that we've had a few scares early in the season between Le'Veon Bell signing with the Jets. People thought that wasn't a great situation for him, so that they wanted to unload him for pennies on the dollar. Uh, Damian Williams at times, and it sounds like right now they're talking about doing a running back by committee in Kansas City. His value has gone up and down because nobody really knows what's going to happen in Kansas City. Ezekiel Elliott, with him holding out, they're saying uh, the Tony Pollard, the the rookie, is going to take a lot of his shares. Melvin Gordon, Antonio Brown. There's so many of these superstars, these first round, second round picks that uh, at some point, depending on if you were willing to take a gamble, you probably could have got a hell of a deal on these guys in a trade from a panicky owner wanting to kind of maximize what's going on. Tyree Kill, another fantastic example that nobody knew what the hell is going to happen. And it sounds like he's going to be there for the entire season now. Yeah. But even then, like, you know, kind of tying into the, this preseason uh, from this past weekend. I mean, Miko Hardman, I know we kind of, uh, I was critical on him uh, after they announced that Tyree Kill was going to be essentially getting out of this scot-free. Um, but he had a pretty solid preseason game. Uh, it's kind of imp- impressive. He's definitely got some speed. Well, it's uh, time will tell how he's going to do against number one defenses instead of, the, the guys that are more than likely not going to make that make an NFL roster uh, here in a couple of weeks. But yeah, I mean, first showing looked pretty damn impressive. Uh, let's see how he can hold up against a, a legit NFL starting cornerback. But uh, yeah, I like what I've seen so far. There's just a, a lot to be seen before uh, a lot of people are making their fantasy drafts and kind of making that long-term commitment. on the guy. I know that he's been as drafted as high as number three overall in a old well, number three on a rookie draft. Uh, in our different leagues, but he's he's still somewhere around like 15 most of the time. And uh, from what I've seen, that could be a good bargain for him at this point if he ends up being 
uh, the kind of guy that sees enough of the field uh, for that team uh, between, I mean, Tyree Hill is going to be the number one guy. Sammy Watkins, probably the clear number two, but if he can get mm-hmm. in some, uh, some third wide receiver numbers, then that'd be pretty good for him. So I guess with this, with the preseason action, we saw this, this past weekend, Saturday and Sunday, um, or I guess it was primarily Saturday, wasn't it? Thursday and Saturday. Um, I mean, did, was there anything that really stood out to you? Do you feel like it's still going to be until next week when we actually kind of get a better feel for some of these starters? Honestly, it's probably not even going to be until week three. I mean, the week one and week two, and especially week four, they're generally going to be the end of roster guys that are playing 75% of the games. Uh, you might see the starters, the legit starters for one or two drives. Some of the the rookies, some other guys that just need more time on the field to kind of show what they can do in a, in a real game. They might get through the first first uh, quarter, maybe halfway through the first uh, the second quarter. But really, you're not going to see a whole lot until that game three. And uh, that's why I try to not to put a whole lot of stock into these games, just knowing that it, it goes for both sides of the ball. I mean, these are defensive players, too, that are going to be the, the fourth-string linebackers and the third-string safeties. They might put up huge numbers, but you got to consider the competition they're going against. Uh, they're usually going to play pretty vanilla packages. They're not going to show off too much. They're going to do what they're good at. They're not going to show off all the their repertoire of of, our, of weapons. Uh, it's fun to watch, just taking it at face value. But when you try to extrapolate that over what's going to happen on the NFL season, it's kind of difficult to imagine. Okay, Nicole Hartman looks fantastic. Uh, Christian Wade, the rugby player for the Bills, had a 61-yard touchdown run. He's surely going to do the same thing in the regular season, right? It, it usually doesn't work out that way. So you got to take it with a grain of salt. Enjoy it for what it is, but that's really all it is, is a preseason game with a whole bunch of guys that are probably not going to make the NFL roster next month. Well, I'll be curious to see how the next couple uh, weeks play out. You know, there's some some top rookies that have been hurt. I know there's some issues going around to kill Harry. Uh, A.J. Brown has been injured. We still really haven't seen much uh, in terms of uh, – Miles Sanders. Uh, I'd like to see what what that dude's capable of doing. Uh, even Josh Jacobs, really, what what he can do. Uh, a lot of these, like, really, uh, you know, your your top five draft picks that you just, you don't know yet. Um, but we'll see what happens. Um, I guess before we move on, really, is there any other news or notes in terms of uh, trades or preseason performance before we move on to league updates? Well, I, I had two things here. One was actually a question, and then one's just kind of an observation. Uh, the question, you, you mentioned Nikhil Harry. I, I saw today that mm-hmm. he was listed with, quote, uh, multiple injuries. I, I didn't really look into the news to find out exactly what was going on. Did you hear uh, exactly what's happening with them? So, I mean, I didn't watch the actual game, but from what they're saying, it could be potentially a hamstring, an ankle, or a toe injury. So that seems – I mean, you know how you know how the the Patriots are very like stoic about what's going on with their players. Well, Tom Brady's um, been well every game dating back to like two thousand one, I think. Yeah, so I mean, the, I doubt. I mean, we'll see if it's anything significant. Let's let's see what happens next week, and if he's on the field and he's playing, then that kind of answers the question. Uh, if if you see him on the sideline, he's got a a ankle. Uh, or boot on his foot, um, then that's something to maybe be worried about. But I don't know. 
uh, I thought I was more surprised with Tom Brady still saying that he plans on playing until he's 45 versus yeah. Nikhil Harry and a, a potential hamstring slash ankle slash toe injury. So that actually brings up something else I heard this morning. Uh, did you hear that Tom Brady selling his house? Yeah, but I think he quickly threw up a hashtag fake news hashtag like don't don't read into this, um, which probably means that you should read into it. Um, but really, he's not going to leave the Patriots. I mean, what's where's where's he gonna where's he gonna go? Uh, according to them, I guess the logic is that I mean, if you're selling a two hundred fifty thousand dollar house, yeah, it, it'll sell relatively quickly. Um, his house is apparently priced at, I think, I think I saw it was 39.1 million. And uh, that's the sort of thing where you don't really have too much of a market for that sort of thing. So it takes a while to at least get the word out there that it's available. So I I think he's putting it on the market now in the event that he sells it in two years, three years down the line, he has all of his ducks in a row at that point. He just doesn't want to have to sit on it for a couple of years beyond that. So he's getting everything in, sellable condition i think he's even moving out of the house and moving to a a smaller mansion just uh in the interim i'm sure him and giselle are probably uh not going to be hurting for for too much at this point but uh, i think he'll be okay either way i think he just wanted to kind of put that out there that it's at least something that he's looking into long term i think the the one final note i had i guess before we go to league updates now that you kind of mentioned it uh did you even realize that theoretic had signed with denver like before he even got hurt at Denver. He is my like second or third best running back in our STDD league. So yes, I was absolutely aware of that. That was actually something I was pretty, pretty optimistic for. I thought he might get a chance to, to get some carries over there, but yeah, I've been following his uh, leg, leg or knee or whatever kind of fracture he just sustained a couple of days ago. There's a shoulder. Uh, oh, for him. I was way off. It's I mean, one of his, <laughs> You are not a doctor, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we'll bring in an expert for our injury updates next time, somebody that's more familiar with human anatomy. But, uh, yeah, I think well, it was a shoulder well, shoulder injury for him. I think it's like six to eight weeks they're saying he could be out. Uh, that, my team is in the dumpster and has been since 2017, so I'm, I'm just par for the course at this point. Uh, the, the one <laughs> last point I wanted to bring up, though, is uh, the, the Viking kicker and punter, man. Uh, he went for a fifth round draft pick today. Did you hear about that? No, I did not. Uh, it's a, it's a, I, I think the, the part is, especially cause, uh, Chris Lynch, I think would like it. Uh, he's from Norway. He got traded to the Vikings. Uh, he got traded from the, the Ravens to the Vikings name is, uh, I'm probably butchering the pronunciation. Uh, Kari Vedvik. Great name. Uh, you don't really see kickers traded around for, for draft picks too often, but the uh, the Ravens were pretty locked into Justin Tucker for a while, so they were able to to dump off uh, this Mr. Vedvik for a fifth-round draft pick over to the Vikings. So apparently the Bears were also inquiring about him, so I think the, the Vikings might have kind of panicked, wanted to hurt a division rival and, and give up a, a little more than they should have to, to, secure, to secure him and keep Chicago without a, a reliable kicker. Well, that's kind of interesting. You don't really see that usually with a, a punter. Well, and apparently he does both kicking and punting, so I think that they might be looking to kind of save a, a roster spot by having one guy do double duty. Uh, if it works for him, then then more power to him. I guess that would be worth 
worth a pick just to save one extra roster spot for one extra cornerback or one extra linebacker or offensive lineman or whatever. But uh, like I say, you don't really see too many draft picks going for, for kickers these days. No, who was the uh, who was it? Was it the Jets that drafted a kicker in the first round? Well, Sebastian Janikowski, that was 2001, 2002, I think, was a first round draft pick for the Raiders. I don't think there's been a, a kicker beyond the uh, well, Brian Anger was a punter, I believe, that the Jags drafted in the third round about seven or eight or nine years ago. No, no, no. I mean, we just had we just had a guest, Jared, join us in the podcast. So, so welcome, Jared. Jared, how the hey. fuck are you? What's going on, guys? How's it going? We were just uh, openly discussing. I guess there was a, a punter or slash kicker that was traded by Minnesota. Yeah. Um, and so we were kind of discussing. I swear that there was a kicker drafted in the first round by like the Jets like five years ago, or less than. Like I need some. I need some backup on that. I, I can give uh, you a little bit of backup. Roberto Aguayo. Also, probably butchering the name, uh, Roberto Aguayo. Was it Tampa Bay? Tampa Bay drafted him in the second round. This is about three years ago. He's the the superstar wonder kid kicker out of uh, Florida, State, if I remember correctly. And I don't even know if he made it through the season. I, I think he got dumped in like October because he was just missing so many kicks. <laughs> and I think kind of a journeyman since then. He, I think he's shown up on a couple different rosters, and just I, I think that the pressure of the NFL has really gotten to him. And he just can't kick anywhere near as consistently as he did for Florida State. And he, he's been trying to get onto an NFL team, but nobody wants him at this point. If you're going to miss half your kicks inside the 40, then you, you're not of any use to anybody. And the uh, the Bucks have spent a, a round five selection this year on kicker again. I nice. believe it was, uh, what was it, uh, Matt, what, what, what last name? Um, oh, yeah, Matt Gay. That's right. There was the gay. That's what, right, it's what, to, oh, it's kind of what ahead. I think about this uh, this hybrid flex league is we don't. I mean, kickers and fantasy football are dumb. Uh, I think we all kind of agree on that. Uh, but at the same time, the sheer <laughs> novelty of it, it is kind of funny. In our our loaded league that Nate and I are in, in Mega League, uh, not only do we have two kickers per team, we even have a punter in each team, and huh. I. I I cannot explain how fun it is to compare punter stats and try to figure where in your 35 round draft you should take your punter. And so it, do they get points like for how close to the, the uh, goal line they, they pin the, the opponent or what? How, how does that, how, how does that work? You get points for inside the, tw- it's for net punting yards. Also you get bonus points for inside the 20 and inside the 10. Uh, okay. It's impressive how consistent, like, the top 10 or top 12 punters are. Usually they all hover around, oh, 9 to 11 points per game each. Uh, so you're really not – I mean, it's it's a novelty position. It's not exactly running back or quarterback. Uh, all the guys are within one or two points of each other. It's really in there for for the fun of it more than uh, than actually trying to win a, win a week or lose a week. But that doesn't stop me from looking at the – the net punting average that defenses get that certain oppositions give up and, and drafting different punters in, in any given week based on that. I am pathetic. I know. Wow. <laughs> For the record, I was able to look up the New York Jets. It was Mike Nugent who was drafted in the second round by the Jets. 
That was back in like the late 2000s. Uh, 2005 to be exact. So he's a Ohio State kicker. So just I had to uh, satisfy myself by at least figuring out. It wasn't the first round, but uh, fuck, that's high enough. So. Oh, I'm sure uh, Ashley Schrader, proud Ohio State alumnus, probably could have told us that. She would have been, a, I think, a sophomore or a junior at that point when he was drafted, so I'm sure he knows the guy well. And <laughs> she, joined, she wanted to join, I think, on Saturday and never never made it out. But I don't know if she's ever going to get a, get over her stage fright and, and join us. So, Ashley, if you're listening, we'd love to have you on sometime. I, I don't think thing though man i, I think uh we, we have to get this within a, a certain period of time so that way we can we can appeal to ashley's sober side the later we go we're going to find a, a ashley that can can actually present herself on a podcast so i challenge you ashley stay sober long enough to get on the goddamn air with us. <laughs> well, she also has like a 9.15 bedtime uh, through the week because I think she wakes up at like 2 a.m. for some godforsaken reason. Jesus, so, uh, why? Her line of work, uh, she's in supply chain or something to that effect, I believe. And yeah, she, she she's awake at hours that no human being should be awake. Supply chain, puff, puff, yeah, I don't know. All right. So, uh, yeah, speaking of Puff Puff Give, it, it really, really saddens me that we don't have any Josh Gordon activity right now. <laughs> no, that's an excellent segue. <laughs> but, you know, they, at least they've made news that you've got all the, all the players at the Patriots at least supporting him. Um, I mean, shit, the fact that everybody's kind of, they're saying they're kind of helping him along. They want him to be, uh, successful off the field. I mean, I, I don't know, like the fact that New England hasn't dumped him, uh, there's gotta be a little bit of hope, but I mean, how, how long do you hang on to that hope that he's actually gonna be a productive player in any shape or form, uh, in fantasy, let alone See, in the NFL? Like- let me count on my hands here. Uh, six years is that? Is that how long, roughly? Uh, we're we're going into the seventh season since his <laughs> year. Holy shit, man! I feel like every every off season, I'm I'm dropping him and then repicking him up real quick as soon as I can when I get a notification, and then you know you get let down again. It's just that you keep getting broken up with and cheated on, and then you go right back to it, like when news comes and the hotness again, but. In our hybrid flex dynasty draft, I wanted to take him every round about after about the 20th round. I'm like, this guy is infinitely better than whoever the fuck I'm taking in the 22nd round here. But I really can't deal with the soap opera that is Josh Gordon. So I kept kind of talking him up. I'm like, please, somebody else draft him because I guarantee I'm going to take him before the end. And uh, fortunately, Nahid took him right after me in the 24th round, so I didn't have to waste my time. <laughs> However, because uh, I, I didn't realize Will wanted him so badly, Will just straight up gave uh, gave Nahid his uh, his 21st round pick. Uh, so he, he just traded back four rounds. I, I guess he wanted him that badly. He just thought he could get him later. Uh, so Nahid got a nice little deal out of that by being the one person to take him down. He kind of, I mean, he, he took a quarterback. I don't know if Will Greer from the, the Panthers is ever going to 
amount to anything, but uh, that was a, maybe more, maybe more than Josh Gordon. I don't know. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I mean, I I, I think that uh, Josh Gordon's going to have a better chance of contributing to the NFL this year than Corey Coleman, which is one of the <laughs> many selections that I made. That was not Josh Gordon. Another wide uh, receiver. Yeah, but I mean, let, let's be real though. Let's say let's say best case scenario, Josh Gordon gets reinstated, and you know, Goodell's like, okay, here's your last chance. Like, where where is he going to fit on that roster? Because you've got Nikhil Harry, who was drafted high to kind of fit that role. You have Edelman. I mean, you still there's so many goddamn wide receivers on that team. Whoa. Like, where does he fit? He'll he'll fit in Edelman's role weeks two through fourteen. Because Edelman's going to get injured, like always. Uh, and then after <laughs> I was like, what did I miss? <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I just traded for <laughs> Oh, we lost Strutz. Oh, man. Oh, how unfortunate. All right. <laughs> Upgrade. But I, I agree with you that, like, I mean, you've got that risk of Edelman. And, God, he I swear he's made of glass sometimes. Um, but – I mean, that to me, that's a question. Like, if he does come back, I mean, he's a talented enough player that Josh Gordon will finally find, or probably find a place. But, I mean, God, there's there's a lot of competition on that team, and he just he won't have those reps that all the other receivers should have had or will have. And at but, what point, now that the, the, the nation is becoming more green-friendly, we're seeing the, 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 the green wave happening. Um, when do we stop villainizing marijuana in the NFL? I, I don't disagree. And I think for him, I don't think it was mainly the marijuana. I think it was more the, the alcohol for him. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought that was mainly one of his big issues in terms of addiction was the alcohol side. Um, I mean, I think marijuana just became one of the substances that were he was getting flagged on uh, with that kind of zero tolerance. Tested so. positive for more than marijuana before latest suspension. Okay, okay, okay. Quick Google search is pulling up results here. <laughs> but, uh, you know, drinking isn't illegal in the NFL, so there you go. That, that, that must be yeah, the... Uh, and- the offense that and, that, and, that and drinking drinking is probably not illegal, but when you're kind of that that repeat offender and you've been given you know multiple attempts to to stay clean, I'm sure he was on a a zero zero substance uh, policy. Yeah. But I mean, if you talk about the whole green wave, I mean, I keep, we can go into that forever. But I think we'll see that eventually come through. Especially you got UFC as a big proponent of trying to push that through and just players being able to use that for pain versus using, uh, you know, really any sort of pharmaceutical drug. Uh, I think long-term it's going to be better for players anyways. But well, that's just me. If the Strutmeister isn't going to come back, um, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn the, uh, conversation here a little bit i'm gonna ask you would you guys have you guys talked about preseason so far what any any uh for other leagues that haven't drafted yet have you seen any diamonds in the rough yeah yeah so we've we briefly touched on just some injuries 
uh, and news from the, the preseason thus far that we've seen, mainly from last week. Um, and kind of our general consensus was there still really isn't enough to be seen to, to really make any sort of, uh, I don't know, anything to get excited about, I guess. I mean, Michael Hardman, I thought that was – I was expecting nothing, and he flashed a little bit. I was uh, actually pretty excited about the rookie running back in Chicago um, yeah. in Montgomery. Yep. I thought that was pretty impressive. To me, that's like, okay, that guy that guy could be the stud. Um and kind of instantly kind of flagged up on my potential buy draft or trade radar. But I feel like any player you identify this week, I I feel like everybody's kind of getting that hype because there's nothing else going on. So if anybody pops off and they gain value, you know, you're going to have to pay high uh, in a trade potentially for that player. If that makes sense. I, you know, I'll be honest, I, I, I highly, highly was thinking about finding McCole Hardman's owner in our league and <laughs> offering something for that, man. Um, the guy, he's a different speed. He is, he's a different kind of fast. That uh, he, he's, he's, he's got 4.33 speed, but there's just something about his, his lateral quickness, his agility, along with that 4.33 speed that just... It looks different. I know we only saw like one major play. There was that there was that shovel pass where he just cuts through there, and man, everybody on the the Bengals defense needs to go back to the basic geometry classes because their angles sucked. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's just it, it was a, it was a whole thing. It was electric. Um, the big argument that you know, us Chiefs fans are having right now is what is McCole Harmon going to do in year one? And the hope isn't that great. Uh, Andy Reid's offense is extremely complex. Um, it's something that takes years to learn. Uh, it, he, Andy Reid likes his receivers to know all the roles. He wants them to know how to be the X, how to be the Z, how to actually uh, switch from one route to the other because there's so many different route trees that branch off from every single position. Um, Tyreek Hill, you know, he got involved the first year on special teams. Second year, he really started to get polished and and, and started to, sh- to shine. But how much of that changes now that you have Patrick freaking Showtime Mahomes, who can just launch it in the air at any freaking time, and it doesn't matter. The play is run fast. <laughs> You're throwing nines all the time, and it's just. That guy, four three three speed, lateral quickness, can have a huge impact with Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball. I think when you have that type of quarterback in Mahomes, I mean anything anything's possible that offense. You talk about solid uh, teams like Drew Brees and Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. I mean. They can they easily can throw up enough targets, enough attempts to these guys that uh, I mean you could have three to four you know top twenty five wide receivers. So I mean it's it's got that potential. But then like you said, I mean you've got uh, between Hill and Kelsey, so many potential weapons on that team that you know. But if he pops, he, he could be a big impact. The the name this year for for the Chiefs. 
uh, offense is the Legion of Zoom. <laughs> that that's what it's been coined, and it it started to get some traction. So, watch out for the Legion of Zoom. Uh, yeah, others though. Uh, Kyler Murray looks legit. I I was not expecting that. I thought, I mean, come on, the guys. The, I, I'm I'm five foot seven. He's like the same height as me. <laughs> How the hell is this guy going to succeed in the NFL? Like, I I need a booster seat to be able to see over the offensive line, and so does Kyler Murray. <laughs> But somehow he's doing it. What what the hell? I have no idea. I mean, it's but you saw what he did in the NCAA, like at what he did at OU. I mean, it's just he did it there too. And it, it, it's just it's mind boggling to me that you got Baker Mayfield coming from the same school just a year before, rocking it out. Now you got Kyler. You know, it's just I, I I'm the same way as you. I was impressed and I'm just really, really curious to see what he can do in the regular season. Yep. Stroop, welcome back. Well, I, I've been hanging around. I, I'm just pissed off. I don't know whether it's Anchor or what's going on with me, but I'm here for now. Next time I get dropped off, then I'll, I'll call back in, but whatever. I, I, ju- I just wanted to point out that I think it's fascinating that a team based out of Houston, Texas, has two guys. You're obviously pretty pretty fr- friendly right now, but two uh, AFC West rivals here. I mean, uh, you, you don't really expect to see that in Texas, or I, I didn't at least. But we got a Broncos fan and a Chiefs fan here uh, <laughs> hanging out on a podcast. Well, so Nate has not revealed his his colors yet. I, I, I have not sensed the orange and blue in him yet. <laughs> oh, I tried to stay Does neutral. That change everything. I tried to stay neutral in this podcast, but I'm I'm not going to lie to uh, I don't know to to make you feel good about your team. After watching Mahomes last year, I've never felt more worried about my Denver Broncos. Um, <laughs> where it's like, oh shit! Like, what? What do you even do? Like, how? How? It's this is unstoppable. <laughs> spend a ton of money on uh, a, a washed-out quarterback, and then the next season, spend a ton of money on a washed-up quarterback. <laughs> hey, that's. I guess that's our strategy, and then draft a a super high. Uh, linebacker to hopefully attack Mayhomes and talk, take him out for the remainder of the season. But no, uh, I will say, I, I being that you know Mizzou is just down the road. Um, I, I don't watch a whole lot of, of college football, but just enough to you know to make sure I, I can see who's coming out. I I think there's going to be good things for Drew Lock. So uh, my, my barber. Is, is also a huge Broncos fan. God, bless, <laughs> bless his soul. Bless his soul. Uh, and, and that that's what I this this year though I, I've just been giving him words of encouragement. Drew Locke could be the one. I, I for at least a couple of years. I don't think it's I don't think it's another uh, Paxton Lynch. I, I think it's I think Drew, Drew Locke has has a little bit of staying power. Um, how long do, do we do we go into the season before Drew Locke is the starter before uh, before over Joe Flacco? I don't know. I, I took a gamble on it. I dra- I drafted Drew Locke in our uh, in our our league. I think for like a, a dynasty perspective, maybe he's definitely a must draft. I don't know if he'll. Yeah. I think it really depends on how uh, Flacco performs this season to see if he actually sees the field much. I mean, if they start doing a shit job. Then I can see Locke coming in, but uh, if Flacco is winning games and they have potential to make it to the playoffs or sneak in that wild card spot, I mean, I bet you he carries through the entire season. So one of the uh, the defenders that uh, 
the Chiefs drafted. Honestly, potential defensive player, rookie of the year uh, for us here, Juan Thornhill. I'm predicting Juan Thornhill is going to pick off Flacco in in the first matchup. And then by the end of this year, Drew Locke is starting. (laughs) I I think that's very realistic that something like that could happen. But uh, all right, we lost we'll, Strew again. What? Yeah, we keep we keep dropping him, and there he is again. So something's going on so, with him. I, Look I, at him, Boomerang. I was, actually, I was actually staring at my phone as I saw as I was listening to Jared talk about this uh, defensive rookie of the year potential guy, and uh, it, it just decides to disconnect again. I'm like, you motherfucker. All right, well, <laughs> let's see if the other guys are still online. So I, I was at least only gone for ten or fifteen seconds that time, but. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna get a new phone here. I think this weekend, and uh, if that fixes it, cool. If it's the my internet connection, cool. If it's Anchor, there's not much I can do about it, I guess. But well, I so, did have to uh, Google search something real quick, Jared. Like before you can, I'll let you talk about the, bring up the next topic. But I was not aware that it's been 49 years since the Kansas City Chiefs won a Super Bowl. Hey, and <laughs> January I'm not 11th, saying I'm, I'm 1970. A- I'm not saying I'm a bandwagon fan because I, I'm I, I'm definitely been a fan longer than the Mahomes era. Being in about the Matt Castle time, right when Chiefs <laughs> fans were ready to jump off bridges, cliffs, uh, throw themselves into a large body of water with an anchor tied to their ankles. Yeah, that, it was it was a really rough time. Lots of, lots of people like getting knifed and and cut down in, in parking lot at Arrowhead Stadium in those days. But um, yeah, it, it's been a while. It's been a while, and it's it's been a long time coming. It, I think that's why I I feel like I've latched on to the Chiefs so well. You know, being a, a you know Chicago native myself, and then moving down to this area like uh, you know, a long time ago, I, I just I felt sorry for these idiots. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I was like I was working at um, I'm not sure if you guys ever ever heard of the uh, cell phone company Altel. They got bought by Verizon. I used to work for Altel. And uh, in the customer service center, like every Friday, it'd be like a sea of red shirts and hats and shit. And everybody's like, let's go Chiefs. I'm like, what are you cheering for? There's, there's nothing to cheer for. It's just, it's, it's just sad. Like every, every week you guys cry. Like what, what, what why do you do this to yourselves? Now I understand. I, I get it. And our, our time has come. Anyway, so that said, um, look up Juan Thornhill, the one and only. The guy's really killing it. Like, just uh, easy. Um, what I was going to say when I was interrupting before was uh, I didn't know Anchor, you had to do it over the phone. So, like, I, I have, like, a full professional, like, setup. I've got a, a freaking awesome microphone and all I want to do with my computer, and I, I couldn't do that. So, what, what, that, what gives? Well, apparently you can do a podcast on your computer on Anchor, but you cannot do kind of multi-person podcasts where, where a couple of different people join. I think you can, you, can, you can set up one yourself, broadcast out of your own home, but if you want other people to join remotely, uh, that's where apparently it only allows uh, mobile devices. I wish we can do it too. I, I don't have quite the setup you do, but I at least have a decent speaker front, speaker setup and uh, microphones, but uh, it's not an option. It's not an option. Well, this this next segment I'm going to call Jared shuts up for five minutes and lets other people talk. So here you go. <laughs> well, Jared, before before Nate pulls up the next topic here, I was actually just kind of looking back around that mask, that castle era. 
Uh, one, y'all got basically the shittiest number one overall draft <laughs> of, of the last 15, 20 years. I mean, outside of like a Jamarcus Russell, Eric Fisher, offensive tackle, Central Michigan, is probably one of the worst. I mean, he, he's not terrible by any means. He, he made a couple of Pro Bowls, if I remember correctly. Uh, but th- that wasn't exactly – that was probably the, the worst top-heavy draft of recent memory. I'm looking at the list here. I mean, Lane Johnson from oh, – Look who got drafted in the first round. Yeah, you got Lane Johnson. You've got Geno Smith. Um, Geno Smith was that, that, yeah. No, but he was he, he was predicted to be drafted by the Chiefs. They, they thought oh. that the Chiefs were going to take him number one overall. Uh, he actually, and, and uh, he went one pick after uh, Monte Teo from uh, Notre Dame. To the <laughs> and you don't see either of them in the NFL anymore. I mean, they're both hanging out with Monte Teo's girlfriend. It's just it's one of those things. Uh, God, she dude, was hot. It, <laughs> the curves. <laughs> so. It, People here were we were so divided. Like I, I remember this draft like it was like it was yesterday, because we were so pumped up. Uh, there was those of us like myself who were like, okay, we're we're gonna take, we're gonna take what we can. We're gonna get what we can. There's some good defenders in here. We could probably beef up the defensive line. Uh, all that time we had we had Don Terry Poe and didn't really need that. Uh, and and uh, there was the the other half that was like Geno Smith. Geno Smith, and then the Chiefs trade for Alex Smith, and everybody was like, "You got the wrong Smith," and we're like, "No, this this guy is not going to amount to anything in the NFL." And it, it was like it was just a huge rift. Um, I, I was for a long time part of ArrowheadPride.com, and I swear that draft was one of the most polarizing events uh, in Arrowhead Pride. Um, next to like people who wanted to defend Matt Castle, I was one of those. Um, <laughs> it, it just it, it was it was it was an interesting thing. Like who who wants to die on the Geno Smith Hill? Well, without looking it up, uh, can you guess what team the Geno Smith is on right now? Wait, wait, what? Geno Smith is on a team. Geno Smith is on a roster. He's on his uh, fourth team at this point. Uh, I'm going to give you three uh... guesses. Um, not that. Shoot. Okay, Miami Dolphins. Let's try there. Strike one. Damn it. Um, who else is desperate enough for Geno Smith? <laughs> Holy. Be mindful. He's Man. probably the first string guy that might not even make the make the roster. He's at least on a team in week two of the preseason right now. New England Patriots. Uh, no, wrong. that's not right. Yeah, because I, I know I know that Stedman or Studman or whatever is the is the, the rounding up the the bottom of the the Patriots quarterback pool. Stidham, that's right. Um, I don't know, man. I who is it? The Seattle Seahawks. He was on the Giants, then the Chargers the last two years after getting released by the Jets. But yeah, now he's on the Seattle Seahawks up in uh, up in the Northwest. Huh. Okay. I would have been better off drafting Geno Smith and Alex Smith this year. Oh, actually, uh, to, to Nate here, uh, he signed with them on May 15th. He is expected to compete with Paxton Lynch for the backup to Russell Wilson. So, circumlocal. Paxton Lynch. Man, that is going to be a gripping competition. Uh, <laughs> 
know, all eyes on. I can't on. wait till the fourth preseason game to watch this. This is going to be great. Oh, man, the drama on who's going to take over for Russell Wilson, like game two. That's uh, going to be insane. So is Geno Smith going to up his like goatee game to compete with uh, Paxton Lynch too? or? <laughs> All right, Tony, since we got you for a consistent amount of time, do you have any, I guess, important news or notes specific to our leagues or anything that we have going on or upcoming? I've got all kinds of cool stats here for our guillotine league. I am not stats, incredibly not, not fucking stats, news, news. What do we have <laughs> upcoming? Like, stay focused, stay focused. We have Slack for stats. Like, I've got so like, much fucking info that like, make we don't hit. have hours, bro. Like we have we have minutes. So give, no! us, give us the skinny. Like when's when are when do we have I know we have an upcoming draft for um your guillotine. So give us give us some uh some dates in terms of fab and drafts and give us give us a spin. Okay, uh, I'll try to do it in order of uh kind of calendar timeline. This coming Friday, uh, so four days from today. We've got waiver claims due in D12, so that'll be a final waiver claim. Wait, is that this week or is that a couple weeks? It, I don't know. It's in Slack, You're so the get on Slack, man. Man, I, I type it up on Slack so I don't have to remember that shit. The, the first thing that's coming up, though, whenever that is, I think it's next weekend, next Friday, whatever, is waiver claims for D12. We're going to do one final set of claims before our rookie draft. And then we're going to knock out our rookie draft in D12. In the D League, uh, because there are no offseason waivers, we're going straight into round three of the rookie draft there. Trent Blackburn is on the clock on that one. Andrew Robinson Powell is on the clock for, for D12, by the way. Uh, Trent Blackburn, number one pick in the third round for the D League. Um, your STDD is intelligently already done the entire draft, so I'm glad that's over with. Uh, Mega League, uh, we have the Dynasty League in that drafting around the same point. Eric actually said yesterday or today that uh, it's officially going, but I can't imagine anybody. I think Jack's on the clock in that league uh, is going to want to make a pick right now with uh, this early in the preseason. The rest of Mega League, we've got our um, loaded draft. That's the that crazy league with like 35 or 36 roster spots. Uh, Trent still needs to set that up. Hopefully he can give us the details on that soon. I guarantee he's not going to listen to this podcast, but maybe you can throw something at him over at, uh, at work for us, Nate, and get, get him on that. Um, hybrid flex. Uh, we are sitting pretty right now. We've already drafted our teams. We are waiting for the regular season to begin. I mentioned on Slack this morning that we will turn on our waiver claims for that. Um, Right around the right around the beginning of the regular season, maybe a couple of days before, if anybody needs to modify their rosters for a, another defense or, or whatever the hell is going on. And last but certainly not least, the uh, Guillotine League, which the three of us are in, along with fourteen others, uh, we will be drafting thirteen weeks from today, which will be the Sunday after next at, I believe, five p.m. Central Time, and auction draft. Weird shit's gonna happen. I, I don't know what. Free Wait, advice. Did you on... say thirteen weeks? You meant thirteen Thir- uh, days, right? Thirteen days. Yeah. If uh, I said weeks. I'm... Wow. 
I, I got off on a rant here. I have no no use of times of units of measurement at this point. So thirteen or anatomy. Days. So yeah. So wow. time and anatomy. You're uh, <laughs> you're limiting your scope. <laughs> he, he got a he got a fracture on his dick, and we're, we're drafting thirteen months from now. Carry on, citizen. <laughs> Free advice for the guillotine league, though: do not touch Aaron Jones with a twenty foot pole. <laughs> I've got a lot more info, but I'm not allowed to share stats on on the on the podcast. So that, that's all I'm going to say on this. If no, you want any, you can. Any, you can. You want, I, I've got everything broken down here by uh, strength of schedule. The beginning of the season, I've got their auction values on three different sites. I've got averages, standard deviations, all all these different rankings from Pro Football Focus, and I've got what I consider a pretty decent list of who to draft, who not to draft, who to draft only if it's at a certain value, that sort of thing. Not going to give away all my secrets. I'm a pretty shitty ma- uh, magician in the first place. I'm not going to show all my tricks. Uh, but one person to stay away from is Aaron Jones, Devonta Freeman, Cortland Sutton, big-name pick uh, Deshaun Watson, Devontae Adams. These guys I would stay far away from in a league like this where – any single one bad week uh, can be the difference between winning a thousand dollars and having your season end uh, in the middle of September. Yeah, all these guys you listed—Watson, Tate—yeah, I, I avoid them to begin with because of their inconsistencies. So, so you're saying I can draft them all for a minimal price? Indeed, we'll you go and you draft that entire lineup right there. You know, <laughs> one thing that that Tony's stats do not have is your gut feeling. Trust your feelings. Do it. So that kind I of would... moves into my next question, I guess, uh, and I guess it's specific for for Jared. Um, I guess you know, without revealing too much of your your strategy during the off season, but as a, as a dynasty owner, I mean, how are, how are you personally going through and kind of navigating what's going on with players and deciding, you know, if you make a, a trade move, if you try to position something with another player, I mean, what, how are you attacking that from an off season perspective right now as we lead into the regular season? So, I mean, I do my best to try to keep my finger on the pulse uh, with, you know, the Twitter sources that anybody else does have, like any, any good fantasy football ad, adversary advocate, uh, whatever asshole. I, I can't think of the word I'm looking for. Um, <laughs> utilizes Twitter to, to, to stay on top of rumors and whatnot. Um, now that we, not, now that we're in preseason, we actually get a little bit of a taste to see what some of these, uh, uh, some of these, wild card that, that I, I went and tried out um, if they're going to, if they're going to do anything. So right now, uh, you know, I, I, in, in our slow round, uh, our, our week long, two week long draft, I took a lot of, uh, a lot of flyers. <laughs> I laugh nervously at that, but yeah, I mean, just a lot of lottery tickets um, knowing that it's a dynasty league, knowing that, uh, if if I can grab one of those diamonds in the rough and, and they turn out to be a long term uh, pick, it, it's going to pay off well. Um, so just kind of going through and looking at uh, at what these uh, these these scrubs are doing in the preseason, 
Um, I, I, I've, I've got a decent idea of, of who I'm, I'm going to go after for trades, like, uh, like we discussed. Um, I might try to get myself some Nicole Hartman, but there, there's also some other uh, good rookies that I think uh, are, are going to be good acquisition targets. Um, it's just who in my stable of nothingness that I can trade. <laughs> I'm not sure if you're aware, but there are 31 other NFL teams that uh, you, you can draft players or trade to trade players from. It's not just the no. Chiefs. I just I, I, I want only Chiefs. I want an entire Chiefs dynasty. Uh, and who doesn't right now, right? Well, I, I'm going to go ahead and give you more credit than, than I did yesterday because I, I didn't know a whole lot about Darwin Thompson except that he was rated incredibly low relative to where you drafted him. But I saw this guy, so some pictures of him uh, in training camp. This guy is built like a fucking Sherman tank. Uh, yes. That's going to translate to on-the-field production. But this guy has the build to be a like Saquon Barkley kind of pounded in every damn play kind of guy. Obviously, he's not going to even get that chance for a while with a couple of guys ahead of him on the uh, on his roster. Uh, with his draft pedigree, he might he's going to have difficulty even seeing in the field. But just taking a look at this guy, he is a fucking monster. He he is uh, he's number two or like right now. Like I I know the depth chart has him down to number four. But Carlos Hyde, the, we, we, we picked him up in the offseason from San, uh, you know, he was dropped by San Francisco. Um, or did we trade for him? I don't know. No, we picked him up. That's right. He was signed by, uh, he was released by the Jags last year. Yeah, Carlos Hyde is on the is honestly on the roster bubble from what the rumors are saying. So Darwin uh, Tom- hmm? Oh, I, I we actually made – I guess you didn't hear the call, but uh, Nate and I actually made a bet uh, a couple days ago on a fantasy football production this year between Tevin Coleman and Carlos Hyde. Uh, this guy is looking at a dozen wings if, uh, if Carlos Hyde does not outscore Tevin Coleman in fantasy points this year. So it sounds like you're going to get a dozen wings because Carlos Hyde is going to be uh, working his hide off trying to find himself on another roster. Uh, he likely will not be on the Chiefs roster at, by the end of this preseason. I'm fake, fine with fake this. news. Fake news. <laughs> uh, Darwin, Tom, the the only thing that we have bad, uh, the good, the good, and again, this is this is all Chiefs news, so whatever. Uh, the good is that Andy Reid thinks he has his new Westbrook. Yeah, you go back to the to the Philly days. Uh, Westbrook was amazing. Um, you could also probably compare him to to like what they have now with Sproles. It, it it's just it's the bowling ball concept, uh, the Dion Lewis type type running back. Um, he, he's got that. He fits that. We were worried that uh, he wasn't going to be able to pass block, so he wouldn't be in on third downs. But the dude just, like, absolutely leveled the linebacker on a blitz. It was freaking awesome. I mean, uh, I, I think I think he's going to do well. So, yeah, that, that was one of the flyers I took. Um, there are 31 other teams, like you said. I've got my eyes on some other guys from other teams. Um, we'll, we'll look at those. Oh, Shrewd is – gone again um so yeah to, to wrap up the question that's my strategy watching the rumor mill <laughs> so i mean would you say you're mainly i guess in this when the preseason's going on do you like just kind of watch and wait and see kind of how things take shape and how your roster that you've already drafted develops or you yeah. typically aggressively make moves I, I'm usually a wait-and-see type person. I, I, I hate making trades before game one of the, of the regular season. It's mm-hmm. just we, we don't know what's going to happen. Um, anything from 
you know, uh, some unknown undrafted mm-hmm. free agent is going to take over and just come in like gangbusters. Or you have the preseason injury bugs that, that happen. So you just, uh, you, you, I, I don't like taking that chance like too soon. I, I'm a very cautious person when it comes to uh, preseason trades. And Tony, are you back with us now? <laughs> you know, I, I just dropped off Wi-Fi altogether. I'm just going on at and and hoping for the best at this point. There you go. That's good. So, yeah. I mean, in, in terms of your, uh, I guess, off-season or your preseason strategy while all this is going on, I mean, in terms of looking for active trade uh, partners or potential moves, I mean, are you being aggressive about this right now, or are you being a little bit more laid back and kind of just seeing how your own roster shapes out? You know, I'm going to have to say that Victor Garcia, I think we can all agree, is probably the king of trades at any point of the year. So I'm sure he would love to <laughs> kind of talk his draft strategy. That guy will trade, and it's reasonable trades, but he'll do it all, all season long, whether it's in February or, or September. Uh, he has no problem, and we already made a trade. He already decided that, with uh, Zach Ertz on his team, he wanted to also get Dallas Goddard. Uh, he traded him uh, from me to his team for uh, Mike Jacecki and his 20, 2020 uh, second-round rookie pick. Fairly balanced. Uh, we'll see if it actually plays out. Uh, I don't know if uh, Jacecki's going to be worth a shit in uh, in Miami with the, the garbage offense they're going to be running down there. But uh, just to grab an extra rookie pick for the 2020 season, I thought it was fi- I was worth it. But um, – yeah, as, as far as general approach, I don't really go seek out a whole lot of trades at this point. If anybody wants to come to me, I mean, everybody's got their price. Uh, I'll, I'll take anything based on current market value. I'm going to tend to overprice my own guys. That's why I wanted them on my team in the first place. Uh, but if we can make something work at a reasonable price, then I'm more than happy to move things around if I think it's going to be- benefit my team for whatever I'm trying to go for, whether it's long-term, short-term, I'm win now or win later, uh, whatever's going to help that strategy out for me. Uh, I'm not going to get scared away from a deal just because it's not what I have on my current team. Uh, haven't done a whole lot this off season besides that trade, mainly because my teams are either really good or really shit. I don't really have those kind of in the middle teams that I just need a few more pieces to be, to be right there. I'm either already there or I'm well, well, well from getting to that point. So, uh, I'm looking to make some moves, so if anybody's looking for anything, shoot me a message. I'll make you a fair deal. I think that's kind of interesting. You know, you make that comment about it doesn't matter if you're rebuilding or if you're potentially in contention, that your strategy is kind of the same. <laughs> so, I mean, that might be something on a, on a future podcast for us to kind of discuss, too, is, you know, the mindset when you're kind of – you decide you're in rebuild mode – versus um, in contention and how that affects really the type of moves you make when you move them and uh, what your strategy is if you've got to just completely flip your team and and try to start from scratch. But definitely not for tonight. Yeah, I, I, don't think, <laughs> I don't think to get too far into the philosophy of it, but I think the, the general underlying principle is you can always make your team better. If you've got a great team, you can make it a little bit better, whether it's your, your backup tight end or a fourth running back or whatever the case is. Uh, whatever is going to strengthen your team for whatever you're going for, even if it's win now, just to have more backup options, to have a, a, an extra handcuff on your team, just in case your, your starter gets injured, 
anything you can do to solidify that roster to win this season or to win the next two or three years, uh, I'm prepared to do it if that's what it takes. Cool. Well, I guess now that we have – I probably got about 15 more minutes left before I've got to call it a night. But since we've got our guest here, Jared, I'll put the pressure on you. What, what do you want to talk about in the next 15 minutes? You know, I, I missed the, uh, the opener where you guys talked about the helmet gate. Um, so I won't go too much into Goldie mustaches issues. <laughs> uh, but I, I did see something that, uh, that I thought was very interesting. And it's, some, it's a connection that I never made, is that a lot of the uh, Brown drama began after a traumatic head injury caused by none other than Vontez Burkett. I saw that, yeah. That was that was an interesting little news blurb that I saw today. Yeah, that I, that not, it never really occurred to me. And that some of these uh these traumatic brain injuries that that do occur, like not aside CT aside, CT is the long term damage. But that just that that initial concussion can uh, cause personality altering be, uh, behavior for for years. From what I'm, I'm seeing, it just. That's crazy, man. So, no yeah, is, is Antonio Brown, like, attached to his helmet because he, like, maybe believes his brain is still in there? Uh, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's going to play. I think he's got a brain, man, that he'll he'll choose money. And, you know... <laughs> he, he already has. <laughs> he already yeah. has, yeah. I mean, I think so that, that was announced play. today. Yeah. That was announced today. Um, well, Nate, I mean, you're asking a lot of questions. You, you asked Tony and myself our, our strategy, but you didn't answer the question yourself. So I'm going to turn back your question and say, what, what, what is your preseason strategy right now? How, how are you looking at winning this year for our, our Dynasty Hybrid Flex, hybrid flex League? Damn it, I thought I could make it out of the podcast without revealing any secrets. So, <laughs> like, fuck. Um, I think personally, I mean, my my strategy is, I mean, one, I felt good about my draft, so it all comes down to specifically with like the hybrid flex league, having a solid draft, um, finding players that you you feel there's value in, um, but you also have that gut feel about as well um, that you mentioned earlier. You know, I think the draft for me, a lot of it came down to drafting best player available, unless I just totally dislike that player. Um, right. And so I ended up with what I felt was a bunch of, of young talent. Um, but in terms of really my overall strategy, I'm, I'm, I'll trade at any point in time. Um, if I feel like my team has any sort of potential uh, to, to win, um, I'll definitely be aggressive about taking riskier players, older players. Um, but I'm I'm constantly looking to find where players' value has dropped, where it's advantageous for me to make an offer or make a deal. So let's let's use like Zeke for example right now. I mean, I've, <laughs> there's a few other owners that will listen to this podcast that know I've tried to pull Zeke away from them. Um, just trying to to get get owners when they're down. Like we know that Zeke's going to play again. He's, probably, he's going to play this season at some point. I doubt he's going to sit out for more than a couple games, a couple weeks. But 
just that risk is significant for some owners. So, you know, in one league, you throw out Dalvin Cook and A.J. Green just to see if the owner will bite. Um, you know, it's, it's respectable, but it's definitely offering low. But if you can capitalize that and then turn a big profit on that trade, I think it will help you long-term as a team. So that's, that's what I'm constantly looking out for is undervalued players due to performance or news trying to make a a move on that. And then on the flip side, if I have players that are being propped up beyond where I think their value normally should be, I'm trying to push them away and move them for, for, for more talent on my team. So that's really my strategy. It's probably going to fuck me for the rest of the season. Now that anytime I try to make a trade (laughs) with anyone, they know what I'm up to. But uh, I think as an owner, that's what you have to do. You have to look for value. You have to sell when your player's overpriced um, if you're really trying to, to make those moves to get to the top. Well, yeah, let me ask you this, Nate. Did you go after uh, Le'Veon Bell last year at any point, whether before or after the, the official holdout? So we actually had um, before the holdout. <laughs> so I, I drafted him when we had this first iteration of hybrid flex. He was my, my top player that I drafted last year. Oh, right. Um, <laughs> and so I, I will never draft or go for Le'Veon Bell ever again. Um, no, but if, if I could get him cheap enough, I, I would pick him up. Um, but right now, he's, his low point definitely would have been to pick him up um, in the middle of his holdout. But now that he's on a roster, he's got some money. He looks like he's probably going to play, even though he's still got a lot of drama surrounding him and question marks. It's To me, he's too expensive to buy right now. Do you think Le'Veon Bell and his style of running is, is going to be successful anywhere else beyond Pittsburgh? Uh, and for me, I feel like he's, he's, ta- he's a talented player, okay? But I also think he's a product of the system and product of a, a very talented wide receiver core, very talented quarterback uh, that he had in uh-huh. Pittsburgh. So I think I think he will work and translate and he'll work out in New York. And especially with – they've got a lot of weapons too and a good young quarterback. Will he produce like he did in Pittsburgh? I don't think so. I, I'd be more worried about him getting hurt, to be honest. Um, by taking, you know, a short pass and just taking a big hit and he's done. Uh, he's got that history as well. So, I mean, to answer your question, yes, I think he's, he's, he'll translate to another team, but he comes with the same risks and the same, same red flags that he had at Pittsburgh. I was going to use LaShawn McCoy as the example of, a running back who is just absolutely amazing on one team and then goes to another team and doesn't quite add up. But then I, I go and I look at his stats. Like I pull it up real quick and uh, 2015, it wasn't great, but 2016, 2017, you know, 1200 yards, 1100 yards. That, that actually kind of surprised me. I, I, it was, uh, I wasn't expecting to see that. And so I, my, my lead in my setup here was, was for Zeke specifically, because you, you talk about system running back. You talk about having an amazing team uh, to, to run behind. Dallas's offensive line, man. I, I, 
teams are, are just dying to get any scraps of that Dallas, Dallas offensive line. Anytime someone is cut or put on waivers, they are, they are claimed, picked up. That like It's just it, – it, it, I could run behind the Dallas, Dallas offensive line and be okay for a couple of games, I think. <laughs> um, does, does Zeke is, – is he a LaShawn McCoy? Is he really a Le'Veon Bell? Is, is he really elite? I think he's – and I guess I could answer this because Tony dropped, but – I would have I would have taken over anyways in this response, but uh <laughs> he is he is not uh Le'Veon Bell and he is not LaShawn McCoy. He's he's the real deal. I mean he's he can catch passes out of the backfield. He's a big body running back that can power through. Like he can run downfield or downhill. He's just he's a beast. And I think you look at what he can do in Dallas. I agree with you that like the offensive line is amazing, but how productive was that offense when he wasn't there? Like how productive were the running backs that filled in for him when he wasn't there? I mean, I, I get it that they've had with DeMarco Murray, they had some success, but DeMarco Murray was still a talented running back. Darren he, McFadden. Derek McFadden did, looked good behind the Dallas offensive line. But but give a stat line on Derek McFadden. Give us his best <laughs> season that he had for Dallas. Well, like, he played like two games. I mean, come on. Exactly. I, I was, so I was, I was pulling something out of my ass here. <laughs> yeah. So, but I'm I'm serious. Like he's. I feel like Elliott is definitely one of those. He is a generational running back, um, and you you could put him anywhere in the NFL. And he would do well, maybe not as well in Dallas because you do have a solid offensive line. But, I mean, the same can be said about LaShawn McCoy when he went to Buffalo um, from Philly. You know, they had a solid offensive line. He had a good core around him. and He went to Buffalo. And who did they have surrounding him? I mean, that, that guy had a decent few seasons with garbage, like, to, to back him up, you know. So getting back to Zeke, I think he can go anywhere. I think he's, he's definitely way more than the Dallas Cowboys offensive line. And okay. Dallas, I mean, ugh, they're, they're, they're painful to watch when he's not there. Um, and maybe Amari Cooper changed that again this season. But ugh. I'm curious to see whether Dallas is going to succumb and pay Dak Prescott 40 freaking million dollars a year and let Zeke walk. But yeah, oh, sorry, Tony, you're, you're back. Go ahead, man. Well, I, I just wanted to, to bring up a few stats here while you're talking about uh, McFadden. 2015, and this is kind of that in between year, in between. <laughs> I already looked it he up. Had, yeah, it's, had, it's bad. Pour it on. Come on, come on. Give it. He had 1,100 yards almost, uh, 1,089 yeah. yards. Uh, 4.6 yards per, per carry, which is, uh, I think, a notable stat. Uh, going over to Zeke in 2016, uh, 1,600 and change yards, uh, 5.1 yards per attempt. Uh, so it's not significantly higher. It is it is notably better. Uh, one important stat, though, I think worth noting is the touchdowns. He goes from three for McFadden in 2015 to a impressive 15 uh, the following year with Zeke. So uh, I think they just gave him a lot more confidence in goal line carries uh, once they got inside the red zone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but McFadden was not a slouch uh, the, the one year that he got the he got the starts. 
Um, just want to yeah. want to throw that out there just for comparison purposes. I I was looking at the uh, 2016 when he got injured for the last time, really, which was like three games, okay. two two uh, or 24. What was 24 rushes, 87 yards? But yeah, 2015 was was okay, and um, I, I remember that year because uh, Jerry Jones he 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 loves Arkansas running backs. McFadden was an Arkansas running back, and you know it was just it fit that like bowling ball one cut type guy. And then Zeke, you know, I I, I will say he is he's more of a playmaker. And um, what I was kind of saying, Tony, about uh, what Dallas ought to do versus what they're going to do, um, because I, I was playing devil's advocate. I do like I, I think Zeke is amazing. He will be great wherever he goes. Uh, Dow, Jerry Jones is going to make the stupid mistake of paying Dak Prescott way too much freaking money and letting their real start walk. Does anybody know, out of curiosity, if you had to guess, without Googling it right now, um, what was Emmett Smith's most rushing yards at Dallas in a single season? Oh, God. Rushing yards, I'd say it, it wasn't gigantic, I don't think. I want to say it's in, like, the 1,500 range. Would you say it's he just did a over, 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 over. over 1,600 or below 1,600? I'd say below 1,600. I'll take the over. Okay, he's definitely over at seventeen hundred and seventy-three yards. Touchdown. Did he go over more? Did he go over more than once? Uh, he went over seventeen hundred uh, one more time, and that was uh, four years prior to that. But in terms of touchdowns, over eighteen or under eighteen? Oh, because he he had to, he had to compete with Irvin. Yeah, um, under. Yeah, I'd have to go for that just because he's got too many mouths to feed over there. And Jared? I, I went under, yeah. Okay, he had 25 touchdowns in 1995. Oh, man. And that, that, goes wow. along, that goes along with his 1,773 rushing yards. Okay. So, That's impressive. I, I knew him more for longevity, kind of like Jerry Rice, where he just put up pretty solid, not gigantic stats, but top five, top seven-ish kind of running back stats year after year after year with multiple teams. I didn't realize he, he put up 1,725 ever. So that's uh, but more credit. running behind doing. that, those big boys, man, Leon Lett, of the, that, yes. that, that line, man, that was just – that was a dream. Oh, Just a, another interesting, like, stat tidbit. So we were talking about how Darren McFadden had an okay season for Dallas. So what, he had 1,100 yards and three touchdowns? Is that what you said? Yeah. Something like that. So Emmett Smith. 1089 exactly. Yeah. Three touchdowns. Emmett Smith in his final season with the Arizona Cardinals had almost a thousand yards and nine rushing touchdowns. So for perspective, uh, Darren McFadden <laughs> sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Emmett Smith could come back today and put up a thousand yards and five touchdowns. <laughs> he is 50 years old. So I think he'll come back. Yeah. I know. I bet you can at least get 500 yards rushing. <laughs> All right. Uh, really? Anybody got anything else? Cause it's, it's almost that time for fucking old man like me. No, I certainly uh, have one last thing here, but it's not football related. So if, if Jared has anything else related to the NFL, go for it. If not, I've got something else at the end here. No, just um, friends and uh, and those who are going to undergo a draft. 
don't try to be smart and cute and and put Alex Smith out there uh, in an auction style draft because <laughs> nobody else will bid on him, and you'll end up with somebody who is never going to play another snap in the NFL on your team. Um, yeah, so that that's that's my my last parting words of wisdom. Um, honored to be your guest here tonight, and hopefully I, I'll come back again. Well, Jared, I, I think if you try Doug Baldwin, you, you might get somebody taking that baby. Yeah, Alex Smith. I don't know if anybody's gonna gonna fall for that again. The, the key is um, finding someone who's actually rated on the draft charts, so that way the automatic uh, the, or the auto drafters will will, will put exactly. them. Yeah, that that was stupid. Yeah, bold strategy, but that definitely goes against my uh, you know buy low, <laughs> sell high. <laughs> I I bought low, man. I bought low. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how that one pays out. <laughs> All right, go for it, Tony. The Olive Garden Never Ending Pasta Pass is coming back, guys. I just want to put some puts for my. And on that note, nobody ever buys the Olive Garden Pasta Pass. It's a waste of freaking money. Actually, I, I hope he comes back. I want to hear. I want to hear like whether it was worth it. So do I. And I think if he's going to claw his way back on this podcast, just to uh, give us a final like. <laughs> like shout out for some it's not even a sponsor for our podcast <laughs> <laughs> this, this podcast is brought to you by olive garden and their ridiculous pasta pass <laughs> no um so chris freiberg who's a mutual friend of tony and mine i'm not sure if you know chris um he buys the pasta pass like every year and he s- says that it, it, you have to go like four times a week for it to really pay off so what what is the uh, mythical pasta pass you pay like something ridiculous, like a hundred and something dollars for a never un- never ending pasta pass. And you can go in there and anything that's like a, a pasta type entree you get for free. And you also get like a, a fountain drink. He says, he says he's out. Oh, come on, Tony. Ah, you ah dick. Geez. Okay. Well, I'm going to finish ex- describing the pasta pass and Tony, my, my challenge to you next time uh, in your podcast, we want to know, was it worth it? So yeah, um, once you but you, you have to tip on it, and that so that's what Chris was saying. Uh, really, kind of makes it difficult because you're going in, you're you're getting you know twenty dollars worth of pasta, uh, you're getting free breadsticks, free soda. You got you got tip on that shit, and yeah, so that's, that's not a that's not a never ending pasta pass. That's a never any excuse to to spend more money. <laughs> The only, your only other hope is that you live in a metro area that has unlimited Olive Gardens, and then you just Olive Garden hop around and pray that they never realize who you are and spit in your pasta. Yeah, unfortunately, I will not be partaking in the uh, the pasta pass from Olive Garden. <laughs> if, if there was like a, uh, I don't know, a, a, a beer pass from Specs or Total Wine and More. Um, or something to uh, capitalize on different <laughs> different beverages um, and not have to tip, then maybe that'd be more down my... You want an unlimited pasta pass, go to the damn grocery store. Pasta is like a dollar for a, a, a box of it. You go go get yourself a bottle of, you know, Bertoli Alfredo sauce or whatever it is. It's the same shit. 
I, I used to work at the Olive Garden. It sucks. They, they, there's nothing special about it. Now we lost him as a fucking sponsor. So, <laughs> <laughs> whoops. <laughs> and that's our guest. And Jared. Jared never showed up again. <laughs> all right, that's that's all for me, folks. Um, hey, Nate, thanks for thanks for having me on here. Um, it's been it's been a pleasure. Uh, we'll we'll do this again if Olive Garden will allow it. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate Jared, man. You guys, you have a good night. All right, you too, bye. All right, bye.